1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, lots of pre-owned inventory, an excellent service department and an excellent sales staff. And that's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. And anything that you need, they've got you covered. Whether it's a state inspection, you need the big replacement of a part, simple oil change. They got you covered as they are the home of the repeat customer. And that's all under good pals at SMC. So today, of course, all about Big Ben as he officially makes his retirement official. Announcing on social media today via about a two-minute video. Announcing the retirement officially. And you've seen a lot of cool messages following that, whether it's been tweets or videos or whatever. The Steelers had a whole bunch of different former teammates of Ben, and they compiled a video. I thought that was pretty cool. Bill Cower put out something and every time you see the outpouring one player gets you truly see the kind of impact that player had on the game and we've seen that with many different people but of course we definitely saw it with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who no doubt is five short years away from putting himself into cannon no questions asked and as far as Penn State goes last night. I think that's just one of those games you just burn the tape and move on. Sometimes that's just basketball where one team gets white hot, you can't stop them, nothing's going your way, and it becomes too big of a hill to overcome. And that's kind of what happened last night. You get down fifteen to two early. That's an early hole, then you're down by almost thirty, around thirty at the break. You barely make the you don't even make the twenty point mark. At least, if anything, for Penn State from that game, besides burning the tape, at least you finally found a rhythm in the second half, though it was too little too late. Certainly was not encouraging to see that kind of game happen, especially with the way things have been overall lately, though not quite there. That's still not what you want to see, and Indiana's not a great team by any means. They just had a good night last night. So now we'll get this this is probably one of the worst losses that we've seen under Micah Shrewsbury so far. So it's just another element of how does he and the team respond going forward after a loss like this. But it also goes to show you too, regardless of who's on the roster, who's coaching, this Penn State team again needs more offense more consistent offense. Guys that can really, really score. They have guys that work hard, be scrappy. We've seen that this year. It's a good group. It's a decent group. But you also are reminded every once in a while in a game like this that, yeah, they they, they desperately need some more consistent scoring. Which is tough sledding, again, when you have the Big Ten powers that be that have been winning more and that are going to be able to find those guys better than you. That's a challenge for Micah Shrewsbury going forward. With all of his credentials and all of his NBA contacts and expertise, may, maybe you think that's an angle that gets people to come to Penn State. But that was not a good night for the for the Nittany Lions last night. And we'll get Steve's thoughts on that as well coming up. But also back to the NFL at, from today. Head coaching, hires getting done today. You have uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers, going to the, the uh, Broncos. And the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus heading to the Bears. And this was somewhat of a surprise for me is Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn announced today he's pulling himself out of all the head coaching runnings. I think he was on six interviews, and he's staying in Dallas. I don't quite understand that. He says he wants to win a Super Bowl with Dallas. <laughs> I got news for him. That's not going to happen. I, I I don't care how much talent they have on both sides of the ball. On paper, yeah, it looks good, but we have this conversation every year with Dallas. So I, I don't know what he's getting at here, but I, I think he's I think he's wasting some prime opportunities to become a head coaching to become a, a head coach again. If but maybe he just wants to stay a coordinator. You know, maybe there there plays a part in that too. Who knows? But I think to say to use an excuse to try to win a Super Bowl with Dallas, eh? I don't know if you're gonna get that. But <laughs> that's what you're banking on. But that's just me. And, of course, there will always will be opportunities. There's no question about that. This is the NFL. There's going to be a Black Monday every year and so on. There's going to be firings every year. But I don't think that's the right weas- reason for Dan Quinn. And he's done a good job down there in Dallas. It's not him. I, I think it's just it's a lot of underachieving from the player side of things, I think, more than... Than coaching, although you can obviously point a lot to Mike McCarthy, I think he's part of the problem too. But Dan Quinn was not bottom line in what happened with Dallas's downfall in the playoffs and down the stretch. But I just found that a little surprising.
2: I just love when you sit here, sit back, and just listen to you for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's always just a little surprising to me. I, I think he's I think he's living in a dream world. But hey, maybe I'll be wrong. Who's in a dream world? Dan Quinn. Thinking I'm better off staying in Dallas so I can try to win a Super Bowl. Okay. You have to remember keep something. dreaming, pal. He's still being paid by the Falcons, you know. That would be also a pretty good incentive where you can still not be the head I, man and get I, that I, money
2: again one of the reasons i think they they have me on the show
1: exactly right
2: <laughs> <laughs> i seem to come up with stuff that confuses everybody <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah but it's fact
1: have you wiped off the black and blue from that one last night it's not a good game no way i mean there's no way in the face of the earth you can sit there
2: And say anything else. Now you're doing the game. Um, One of the most important elements, and you know, and Doug could speak to this too, when you're doing this, is that when it gets like that, right? You tell everybody, look, they're not playing well. It's not a good game, but you stick with the game. You don't start going off the rails and theorizing, and you know, and talking out of turn. Don't do that. Just stick with the game. So the advice I give to young broadcasters all the time is that there's a temptation to, I'm going to really, you know, tell everybody exactly what I think's going on here. You don't really know what's going on. <laughs> okay, let's start with that part. There's a good chance you don't know what's going. On. So stick with the part you do know. Where's the ball? What's the score? Now, that way you're not talking on a turn. You know, I mean, but you, know, but you also have to be honest. Look, they're not playing well. Um, you point out that that you know, of the games that we've watched this year, the only other game that really comes to mind where you sat back and went, wow, was the UMass game. Back in November. And that one, it turned out, like, going into the game, I knew everybody was sick. And it was one of those I was really grateful for how big the plane was because <laughs> the sick players were all in the back. Um, but... It's... The last question I asked him last night... Well, I was I mean, because we all know, because of the circumstances, it's going to be 20 days between home games. I And I, I prefaced it by saying, I said, this obviously th- this, doesn't solve everything. I said it may not solve anything. But how badly does this team actually need to play a game at home? Because that's all they've been doing is getting on planes, going and playing, getting on planes, going and playing. Um Amazing how it worked out for Minnesota, you know. They kind of got through their little COVID bout there, and they they played back-to-back home games. Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That worked out really well. I think we're going to find out before the week's out, I think, um, what they're going to do with the Minnesota game. You gotta find out soon. February starts on Tuesday. But there really weren't – I mean, look, so we kind of set a benchmark last night where we said – I think I said, I said, okay, I said, I said, simple goals, go out, play better, win the second half. Not going to win you the game, but at least now, like, show me what you got. You know, they won the second half 40-28. to 28. Now, in the big scheme of things, you know, Indiana's not playing as aggressively. Indiana's running more clock in the second half. You know, but Penn State did play better in the second half. But you're down 32. I think the closest they got was 13? I think something like that. But it's not a good night. Indiana was coming off that loss at home to Michigan. I had somebody say to me today, Oh boy, revenge for that first game! I said. I said nothing to do with the first game. I said everything to do with Sunday. I said Sunday they lost at home for the first time all season. I said, and not only that, they weren't competitive on Sunday. I said against Michigan, they were never closer than. They never got the single digits in the second half. I said that was the whole ball game right there. Uh. I said, that's what spurred that kind of effort. And you know, you're sitting there, and you're watching the game. And you go into the game, look. You know, we have a pretty good read on personnel all the time. So, Race Thompson takes a three. He's three for his last 18 and threes. I want him taking that shot. Hit it. Tamar Bates hasn't hit a three in four games. I want him taking that shot. He hits it. In fact, he was two or two. Really? Ray Thompson was two or two. I wanted them taking all four shots. Let him. Go ahead. In fact, they were 10 of 13 in threes last night, and they're not a good three-point shooting team. Indiana. Usually like to them a good you know, their average is they make about six threes a game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, so they're 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 okay at it, but that's where they are. They're okay at shooting threes. They were ten of thirteen. In fact, the irony is the guys that missed it were Parker Stewart and Miller Cop, the two guys that they are begging to take the threes. They're the only ones that missed. All the other people are like, Yeah, let them shoot it. <laughs> right? Ah, darn it. And I hope we'll see. I hope that um uh that uh, Rob Finnessy's okay. I mean it, it didn't look good. He he came down with the rebound and nobody touched him. Nobody touched him. So And it's like, oh, boy. A week ago, they were carrying him off the floor after he had a game-winning three against Purdue, and then they were carrying him off the floor last night for a different reason. Ugh. That's that's, that's hard to see. I don't care. Yeah. There's only one person I know that takes great joy in people being fired. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's you. No. No, señor! No, señor! No, señor! Well, we'll take a break. So, I mean, and last night was off. So, you're back home. It's coaches versus cancer game on Monday night, and uh, five dollars every ticket goes to CVC. I will play Purdue tonight. And then they'll finally get back play at home on Monday night. Then they go back on the road to play Wisconsin. But Penn State's always had such great success at Cole Fieldhouse. Oh, sorry. Maybe not. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Dick says, he says, you know, he says, he says, he says, those wins at Cole Fieldhouse, right? I looked over at him, and, you know, deliberately paused. We'll be back with more after this. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's just, it's been kind of like a house of horrors. All right, we'll come back with uh, more in a moment. Matt thinks Dan Quinn's delusional as he's collecting two paychecks. Hmm. Well, who's delusional now? See, I mean, that's why I show up in the show. Doesn't that make you feel better that you're, you feel like you're armed with more information? Always. What? Hey, was? I supposed to admit it so people didn't know he was getting drawing two paychecks. No,
1: it's it's a very good point. I'm glad you brought it up. He uh, seemed a little bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's still Is not he... going to win a Super Bowl with Dallas if that's what he's banking on. That's all I'm saying. He's making the he's, if he's getting two paychecks, great. But I'm but I'm saying if he's staying to win a Super Bowl, I think he's nuts.
2: Well, oh, I think there's a pretty good chance though they'll win the division because I mean there's no competition in the division.
1: That's fine.
2: Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you. <good. laughs>
1: so, difference between
2: me and you is that, like, I look at the Giants and it, I'm realistic. You're an Eagles fan. Like, we're honest. No, you're not even realistic. All right. So <laughs> it's like you to, you're really not that good. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment. The Giants, I can tell you flat out, aren't good. Right? Your team? Not really not, not that much better. I think they split this year, didn't they?
1: Somehow, yes.
2: Yeah, I don't understand how the Giants lost the second game. Back with more in a moment here on <laughs> Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Iowa State Representative today introduced a bill that would classify college athletes in the state as employees. Bruce Hunter is a Democrat from Des Moines. He's the ranking member of the Iowa House Labor Committee. And it's the first time he's ever been mentioned on a sports show. All right, good for him. There are some Penn State fans that think the Iowa wrestlers were already employees.
0: At 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
2: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Trade-in's never been worth more. Great, great service department. Inspections, routine, difficult to handle it all. It's one-stop vehicle shopping. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15. Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Mary Lynn uh, sent us a very nice... Uh, Email a note. Uh, Has been listening to the uh, podcast now for five or six years, and you know, she was uh, disheartened to hear about when we mentioned Bob Buner the other day uh, because she had not realized he had passed. So, yeah, God, we miss Bob every day. Miss Bob every day. All right. Well, let's talk pucks. That's a vulcanized
1: rubber that they hit toward the net. Yeah, the Flyers seem to have forgotten that.
2: Oh, you're just... I just I feel like I just <laughs> opened the door to the dark room of hate every day. <laughs> Let's bring in Brian Tripp as Penn State's got Ohio State this weekend. Tripper, great to have you back.
3: Steve, great to be with you on this uh, rather chilly Thursday.
2: Well, it's hockey weather.
3: Yeah, it's hockey weather.
2: All right, so... With Ohio State coming in, was last weekend's sweep of Wisconsin set up by the effort and the attitude of how they played at Michigan?
3: I think so. I think they were really confident going into the weekend. For a team that had lost so many close games, I think they played well for a good stretch here, especially since the calendar turned to 2022, you had both games against Notre Dame at home, I feel like they could have won both of those games, and the same could be said about both those games at Michigan. But I thought after the way they fell in the second game, the Saturday game at Michigan, to have that 3-1 lead, to feel like you're finally going to break through, for a team that's young, as you know, it could go one or two ways. Oh man, we just can't catch a break, woe is me. But I'll tell you what, When we got on the plane after that game in Ann Arbor, they felt really good about the way they played. And the players, look, I think some people forget sometimes they're young kids, and they kind of, yeah, it bothers them, but it, it rolls off their back pretty quickly. But this was a case where you could really get the sense that they buy into what Guy and the staff are preaching as to, hey, if you hit our objectives and play the style of play we want you to play, you're going to have a lot of success. And and that's the way I felt after that. And watching them in practice in the week leading up to Wisconsin, you thought, wow, these guys look really darn good. And they played really well, but they just hadn't gotten the result. So to still have that confidence going into Wisconsin and then to finally get the results, go with it, I think that's just so big for them. And, And I really feel like it could propel them the rest of the way.
2: When you spend a lot of time and invest a lot of energy in building a culture that you want, is moments like that the payoff?
3: I think so. I think especially on Saturday, where they probably played their best complete hockey game of the season to do it in front of the White and to have Bagula with 6,000-plus, going crazy. And for so many of these guys, the freshmen and sophomores, their first chance, Look, every game at Pagoola is great. But in that type of environment, with the student section jam-packed, and to enjoy it and to put up seven goals, yeah, that's when you really get a sense of that's the payoff. And I said to someone after the game, I knew this team was talented and probably the record doesn't speak to the way they played so far this season. But that game reminded me a lot of a game that you would see during the 2019-2020 season or some of the great runs that they had uh, over the years leading up to the pandemic. So I think that they now got that payoff You can get a sense of the hard work and what it takes to come in. I think it makes it even that much more rewarding when you finally do break through.
2: Okay, So why have they been able to play better? Just in terms of the actual on-ice performance, why?
3: teams better. All the little experiences that we've talked about the few times that I've been on throughout the year, closing games out in the third period, special teams, um, they had not been good on the power play and penalty kill. And against Wisconsin, all of a sudden, the puck started to go into the back of the night on the power play, came up with some big kills. They've been more disciplined, staying out of the box. So every little area that adds up to be a big thing is really starting to come together for them. So I think it's a maturity to their game Sure, you can point to all those different things, but it's a maturity to their game and an evolution in a process that they're growing, they're getting experience under their belt, and now that has led to, all right, taking less penalties, to a stronger four-check, to being more game offensively and defensively, to not getting rattled by it. And I think when you put all that together, it's led to the type of hockey that they've played here over the last three weeks especially, but then to be rewarded for it with a couple of wins against Wisconsin.
2: Timing also means something. What, the, the, mm-hmm. the timing of playing at home after Michigan. I mean, it's just happenstance in the schedule, but the, yeah. how fortuitous was the timing?
3: Yeah, it would be a lot tougher to go on the road after falling in that game at Michigan on Saturday where they felt like they played their best hockey. I think guys said they graded it out as one of their top one or two road performances in program history. That's how well they graded out in that game and that's kind of what when you play Michigan that's what they did to Minnesota this past week too they were outshot 40 to 19 on Saturday at Minnesota Mm -hmm. and Minnesota just took it to Michigan but because Michigan had a few elite players they get one or two opportunities and they'll make you pay and that's the way I felt like the game between Penn State and Michigan went Um, but I think to come back home to see the crowd to get that added boost it's just such a big impact on the hockey game. And you could really feel it. You could feel it Saturday. Wisconsin, it was 3 nothing Penn State going into the third. Wisconsin gets two quick ones to start the third period. And you're like, oh, I've seen this before this season. Hopefully that they're able to withstand this rally. Well, instead of panic, wow, Wisconsin takes a penalty, crowds into this game, power play goal. Not only do you get one, You get another, then another, and then another, and you just feed off of that. So I think being at home helped when they got into – they weren't in a lot of adverse situations, but when they got into a precarious spot over the weekend, being at home really helped.
2: All right, so now Ohio State. Michigan has a lot of draft picks. Minnesota has a lot of draft picks. Why is Ohio State the front runner?
3: I think they play such a solid – team game and you want to take and look there's a lot of really good things you've done against wisconsin but now you can really see where you stack up against the team that's the first place team in the league i think ohio state probably is the most underappreciated program in the big 10 if you look at their overall winning percentage they've been to a frozen four big 10 regular season championship the amount of top four finishes they've had in the league, the success they've had while they haven't won the Big Ten tournament. They've won a lot of games in the Big Ten tournament. They have been, and I think you could put them with Minnesota, Notre Dame, and Penn State. They have been among the most consistent teams in the league, 20-plus win seasons. Steve Rollick plays. His staff does a great job. He does a great job getting them to play a heavy, gritty but still fast style of hockey, and they're deep. So they're, they're key this year. Number one, they're deep. They've added the appropriate grad transfers and transfers into the program through the transfer portal that have supplemented a team that it's hard to judge last year, what, won seven games a year ago, but it was that COVID season, had a great freshman goaltender, Jakub Dobesh, who's playing as well as any goalie in the country. Yeah. So it seems like everything's come together. They have that perfect, you look for that, perfect mix of players, experience, youth, transfers, and they've nailed it, and they've always played a really good brand of hockey, and I think it's just really gelled for them, and they're a really good team, and they play as a team, and that's certainly on display every weekend.
2: I know it's it's simplistic in a lot of ways, but what can the home crowd mean in a, in a weekend like this?
3: Yeah, they pick up where they left off last weekend, They just come out on the ice, dobesh while having an unbelievable season as a freshman goaltender has not played in an environment like this yet. They were at home against Michigan. They were not in an experience like Pagula Ice Arena. If you want to look at the the rowdy home venues in the conference, I think Penn State and Michigan probably have the two toughest venues to play in. He's still a freshman goalie. See how he handles that and then for the crowd to help Penn State and fell them on building off the weekend that they had last week. I, I know it sounds simplistic, like you said, Steve, but it really does make a difference when you step out there, just get a little jump in your step, and I think as was evident against Wisconsin, things start to go your way. Whether it's a penalty another team takes, or you get a goal, one can become two. It's going to be really quick when you're playing at home. That does not seem to happen in the road, on the road in this conference.
2: Has Penn State improved in your opinion on special teams?
3: Yes. Yes. I think, number one, getting Connor McEachern back last weekend yep. was really important for them to settle their power play units. He's been so good for them um, on that left wing. with what I guess you would consider kind of a 1A, 1B, but their 1A power play unit. So that helped. But I think their power play has gotten more comfortable moving the puck, shooting the puck, and trying to hit those cross-scene passes, but also getting guys in front and in the bumper position I think Connor has done a great job um, I know he hasn't been rewarded with a goal yet but he's done an unbelievable job near the net creating screens on that power play unit as well so they're growing there I think the penalty kill while statistically hasn't been great I think they've come up with some big kills here over the last few weeks, and the most important thing, they're killing way less penalties over the last few weeks. You're going to allow power play goals when you're on the ice for five or six kills a game, especially in this conference. Now they're only on the ice one, two, three kills a game at most for the last three weeks of the season here, and that's, that's the biggest thing with the kill. Don't take as many penalties.
2: Huge, as a matter of fact. Uh, I mean, that, that's a huge part of it, and I, that's something I notice in, in looking just at the box scores, or mm-hmm. when I get a chance to watch a game. Penn State seems more disciplined now in keeping themselves yep. out of the box.
3: Yeah, and there's been times this year where Guy has had to sit someone down simply because they take penalties. I think you saw it on Friday last week. Carson Dick took an offensive zone penalty. Uh, with the team controlling the game, and he didn't play the next period. So there have been players, and that's not the only example. There have been other players this year that to ensure that the team is understanding the lessons that Guy is preaching and to be disciplined, sometimes there are consequences for your action. And I think that proves that Guy, and he's talked about this a lot this season, is that it's not only for the short term and trying to be successful this year, but about building a culture on and off the ice that, that will lead to more success in the future. Um, that, hey, if they have to make a short term sacrifice or take a player out of the lineup uh, because they're not playing up to the standard, they'll do it. And uh, I think that's really paid off for them here.
2: That's why sometimes, especially a younger player, there's a fine line between aggressive and reckless and if you cross the line that's why you do sit down where look i want you being aggressive i want you attacking but okay do it with your brain hey okay? yep. don't get reckless and, and that to me that's the difference right there it's that line between aggressive and reckless
3: yeah i think situationally it plays a, a big role as well if you're up 2 nothing in a first period you don't need to take an offensive zone penalty or when they were on the road at wisconsin um they were up, and Kevin Wall took a five-minute major. It's just small things that can open up a game.
2: My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate it very much.
3: No, thank you for having me on. Have a great weekend.
2: That is Brian Tripp, the voice of Penn State hockey. All right, still to come, Chris Mack on Ben Roethlisberger's retirement and Reginald Walker on the NFL playoffs and more Matt complaints
0: this time people complaining about matt now
2: as we continue here on news radio 1070 WKOK, okay.
0: a boy from finley ohio with nfl dreams developed in oxford at miami university blessed with the honor of 18 seasons as a Pittsburgh dealer and a place to call home the journey has been exhilarating defined by relationships and fueled by a spirit of competition yet the time has come to clean up my locker hang up my cleats and continue to be all i can be to my wife and children i retire from football a truly grateful man to the rooney family the tall family coach tomlin coach cower and all of the coaches who have poured into me the incredible people on every level that make the pittsburgh steelers a special organization thank you for believing in me and allowing me to battle with you in pursuit of excellence to all of my teammates and the endless friendships that i have gained i appreciate you and our shared commitment to wearing the black and gold with pride and dignity. To Steeler Nation, the best fans in all of sport, thank you for accepting and supporting me as your quarterback over the years.
2: It was the suit at the staff meeting earlier this week. Um, it was... Oh, what? No?
1: Not nearly as good.
2: Oh, great. Now now I know why Mertzie's in tears. Uh, it's... <laughs> I thought, wow, she's going to miss him. And it turns out he's not leaving. All right, that explains it. Um Yeah, he's retiring. We're going to talk to Chris Mack next half hour about that, uh, which everybody knew was going to happen. Isn't it interesting? And how many times have you heard me say this when it comes to coaching moves? Nine, eight, let's say eight times out of ten, teams in the NFL always pick the opposite. So we'll take Mertzy's team, the Bears, okay? They went with the defensive coordinator for Indianapolis. Okay. How about the Broncos? They went from having Vic Fangio to getting the offensive coordinator for the Packers. You see that all the time. Really, it's amazing. Yeah. All right going the opposite direction. And the, uh, did you notice in the play-by-play cuts about championship weekend, they all sounded like recreations from one guy? S-U-I-T, that spells suit Touchdown Touchdown Cincinnati!
1: you like that? Not bad.
2: All right. Chris Mack. I'm Ben Roethlisberger's retirement in the next half hour. The the Bears now need to hire an offensive coordinator, an offensive mind that looks at the skill set of Justin Fields and says, okay, what do we put around that skill set? Because – They had Justin Fields running an offense this past year that was built more for Andy Dalton. That's not how he plays. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors.